but we're going we wanted to get it scheduled and get it on the calendar. All right, and then Christmas Fellowship is going to be December 16th instead of the 9th, so I'll have to change that in my phone. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, and well, you know, you never know what's going to happen, so don't jump the gun until it happens, right? Yep. All right, and then, uh, so December, this year Christmas falls on a Monday. So what we thought we would do is on, on uh, we'd have our normal uh, morning service on, on Sunday, and then we would not have an evening service, but we'd have an evening service on Christmas Day. Uh, and that, that way we're honoring God, and we're also giving people time to be with their families and stuff. All right. And then for the big one. So we're planning on going to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. I wanted to do it sooner, but Robbie brought up a very valid point that that doesn't give people time to prepare and plan for it, and a lot of people would have conflicts and stuff, so we decided to wait till April of next year to do it, and that's going to be April 18th through the 20th, and uh, just looking online at, at prices and stuff, uh, and there's there's more information in here, but it's looking like somewhere, I figure it's going to take about an, about $300 a person to go. Um, so, this gives you plenty of time to plan for that. All right. And then Generation Life Youth Camp, of course, is going to be July 8th through the 12th. And that's not tentative. No, that is not. That is set in stone, and that's the way it's going to be unless something disastrous happens. Like we, like we all get called home, and then we can have youth camp up, up in heaven. Right? <laughs> That's funny. She'd rather she'd rather go to youth camp than get called home. I don't know if I'd say that too many times. <laughs> I don't blame you either. It is fun. Right? I know it is. No, we're not ready. All right. So, uh, meditation. So there's more details on on the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum in the, in the uh, bulletin. I'm not going to read that because there's a lot to it. And then, uh, so we're going to go to meditations. Uh, our meditation for this week is Romans, for our in him is Romans 5, verse 1. And it says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, praise God. So our confession I am justified by my faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I have peace with God. Praise God. All right. And it, praise God that he made us a way to have peace with him. Because otherwise, we'd all be in hurting. Okay. So healing scripture for this week is Deuteronomy 6, 2. And it says, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. All right, so our confession. I fearfully respect the Lord my God and keep all of his laws and his commandments, both I and my children and my grandchildren all the days of our lives. 
that our days may be prolonged. And that doesn't mean prolonged in a bad way. That means prolonged in a good way. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So that was longer than usual, but it's all right. Okay. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being here with us. And Lord, we know that you're going to speak through me and Robbie, that, that we can bring uh, your word to the people, that the word that is just right for them, the word that they come expecting to hear, the word that, that will help them and lead them and guide them into how to, to, to walk in your ways and become closer to you and, be, be, and, and how to be a good disciple. Lord, we just thank you and, and we, we glorify you and we praise you. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, kill, and destroy. And you will not operate here or in the people here. You must leave in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. And we glorify you and we thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Derek? Good morning, disciples. Also stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen, and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer, and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Amen. God, thank you. Oh, uh -huh. 
nothing like the blood. His shed blood has cleansed all of our sins. And the book of Hebrews tell us, tells us that, you know, in the Old Testament, they had to go yearly and do their sin sacrifices and such as that. Uh, but Jesus only had to shed his blood once. Amen. Powerful, powerful blood. We thank you for that blood, Father God. And we thank you for the promises. on the promises of Christ my King through eternal ages let his praises ring glory in the highest I will shout and sing I'm standing on the promises of God standing on the promises I cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior.
thank you for your promises, Father God. Great is the Lord of 
train of his robe fills the temple. And we cry out, highest
Father God, for you are our peace, you are the Lord of peace, you are the God of peace, we praise you, Father God, Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you do, Father, we lift your name on high, oh, Father God, we thank you, we thank you, Father God, for, for just, who, Father, not for everything you do, but just simply for who you are, you are the creator of heaven and earth. Father, you're the creator of every human on the planet. Father, you're the creator. You're the great one. You hold the planets in place in your hand. Father, it's by your word that you hold all things in place. Father, you hold us in the palm of your hand. You catch our tears in the bottles in heaven. Father, you're just an awesome God. You see us even when we think you don't see us. Father, you know us intimately. You know every part of us. Father, you created us by the workmanship of your hand. And Father, we thank you that you are the great and marvelous creator. 
We are so thankful for the Lord Jesus, who is our propitiation. He's our atonement. Father God, he's our living sacrifice. And Father, we thank you that he's our Lord of Lord, that he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And Father, yet we're able to call him our big brother. And Father, we're so thankful to call him family. We're so thankful that because we follow your commandments, we get to call him, that he gets to call us friend. Father, we're so thankful for the Holy Ghost that lives and dwells on the inside of us, leading us, guiding us, directing us, teaching us all things. Father, we're so thankful. And Father, as we gather this morning, we ask that you give us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Open up the eyes of our understanding that we may come to see and know the wonderful goodness of God, that we may understand from, the, from a place of the Spirit and not just from a natural understanding. Father, for it's God, oh, Father, for it's the Lord, God Almighty. It was our Lord Jesus who was set far above all principalities and powers, rulers of darkness. Father, it's our, it's, oh, it's our Lord Jesus that has all might, power, and authority. And he handed that authority over to us in Jesus, in his name. And Father, we're so thankful. So, Father, as we approach your word, we just ask that you help us to have an ear to hear and an eye to see uh, that's from the Spirit, that we'll see things from a spiritual standpoint, not just a natural standpoint. But, Father, we'll see and understand it from a spiritual standpoint, and yet there'll be an understanding in the natural as well that the two will come together to bring us a complete and uh, complete understanding. And, Father, we just thank you for it. Father, we ask that you help our hearts to be hearts of good ground in which we can receive it. Father, we thank you that we can stand against Satan and say, Satan, you will not come against me or anybody here or anybody that hears the message online. You will not steal the word that is sowed. You will not corrupt it. You will not twist it. You will not pervert it in any way, shape, or form. Father, we thank you for angelic and heavenly assistance this morning. And, Father... We lift up Brother James to you, Father God. Father, we ask that you refresh and restore his body. Father, that all of his, that if there's any dehydration in the body, that his body is hydrated, his electrolytes come in line, that strength is returned to him as he rests his body this morning. And Father, we just thank you that you touch him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, and we call him whole, heal, and well. And Father, we thank you for having your hand upon Kathy as she, uh, winds up her uh, hike and we'll see her in the middle of the week this week and so father we thank you for having watch over her and father we give you all the glory and the praise in jesus mighty name and all of god's people said amen amen and amen well you can be the seated this morning glory to god thank you father thank you father thank you lord thank you father thank you father Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to take a little survey this morning once everybody kind of gets settled. Survey? A little survey. I want to take a little survey. Take a little survey this morning. And uh, check something out here. Um, if I was to ask, uh, what's, what's, the, what's, our main, what's the main commandment or... What's the main task of a believer? What would you say the answer would be? Honor God what? 
love. Anything else? Main commandment. Go for, go for it and tell people. Okay. If I worded it this way and I said, what's the greatest commandment? What would you say? Love one another. Okay. And that's what most people say is love one another, love thy brother as thyself. Um, and, and that's not completely wrong, uh, but it's not right. But it, and really, um, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, spirit, or with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And with all your might. Uh, with all your might. That comes out of Deuteronomy. We're going to look at that. And the second is love your neighbor as you, lo- as, as you love yourself. Uh, but we tend to put all of the focus on loving the neighbor. We put all of the focus on the second part and not on the first part. But here's the deal. You can't do the first part. You can't do the second part until you learn to do the first part. Amen. So what were we going to talk about this morning? This morning we're going to talk about loving God. Loving God. Loving God. So over, let's turn to the book of... Um, Let's turn to, uh, I believe I was, I was going to go one place and the Lord just spoke another scripture to me. Let me make sure I've got the right one before I tell you. Because I know I, I know y'all don't like it when I mess up your notes. I know y'all don't like it when I mess up your notes. So does, does anybody here uh, like it when you're taken for, for granted? I mean, you know you're loved and all that, but, and they know they love you, but they just don't say it or they don't express it or you just feel like you're being taken for granted. Anybody experience that? I know I have. No, well, I have. how much do you know that God feels the same way? Right. He doesn't want to be taken for granted. He wants us to love him and, and to put him first in our lives. Yeah. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Um, and we're going to go to verse 8. Actually, we're going to go to the second part of verse 8, uh, the tail end of verse 8. And uh, at the tail end of verse 8, it says that it may... I'm these, the right chapter. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It's a very small verse. It is a very small verse, and we want just the tail end of that verse. That verse ends with three very powerful words. God is love. God is love. Uh, you know, Whitney used to, used to have that song, What's Love Got to Do With It? And kind of in there, she asked what love is and things like that. And how much, you know, that's been the question of society forever. Um, in fact, our society today says that intimate touch is love. Intimate touch is not love. Intimate touch is lust. Uh, now, can can there be love involved in intimate touch yes but love the definition of love is not intimate touch the definition of love is god god is love if somebody asks you well what is love it's god it's god of the universe it's god it's god the creator so if you don't have god if a person doesn't have god they are incapable of love. 
incapable of love. Let's look at the rest of this first. It says, he that loveth not knoweth not God. So somebody that doesn't know God doesn't know love. And this is why love relationships are so messed up. See, people, when they say, well, we have fallen out of love, that no, what they fell out of is they fell out of lust. They fell out of feeling. They fell out of intellectual intimacy. That's what they fell out of. No, love, in order for you to get out of love, you've got to get out of God. So what most people are, and, and here's what happens. So many people go looking for love in all of the wrong places. Uh, you know, that's a little cliche-ish, but really they're going out into the world who has rejected God and they're expecting to find love. What they find is what Satan has, and what Satan has is hatred towards man. Hatred towards man. Uh, now there can be now Satan can uh, the world or I mean Satan can and the world can and the flesh can create uh, emotions that we call love, but that's not actual love. Um, and, and and here's the deal. And we over I think we I think honestly the Greeks had it right when they had multi, multiple words for love because they had. Um, they have five or six words. They have agape eo, agape. They've got um, eros. Eros. They've got uh, uh, phila. There's two other ones uh, that are escaping my mind at the moment. Um, uh, but but they but they had my point is is they had five or six different words for the, that we and and all of those five or six words we translate all five or six of those words as the word love. But um, you know, eros is physical love, the sensual love, lustful love. That's what eros is. That's the, the um, physical, the touch love. Yeah. So when the Bible says, um, love your neighbor as thyself, it doesn't, the, in the Greek, it doesn't say eros your neighbor as yourself. Absolutely not. That's not what it says. <laughs> you know, how much you know? That changes the whole picture. Absolutely. Changes the whole entire picture. Um just, but when we say love, if our mindset, listen, if your mindset is that love is physical touch, then, then love your neighbor as thyself, your mind automatically goes to eros your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's right. If you're, if in, if on the inside you think love is touch and eros is touch, how many of you know? Love is not eros. Not, not the love of God. The love of God is agape. The love of God is a brotherly love, a family love. Uh, actually, that's agape. Agape eo is a brotherly love or a sense of loving out of responsibility. But then agape is having that love because of responsibility, but then also having the emotion that goes with it. And it takes you a little while to get to that agape because God is agape. How in the world do you spell that, Pastor? My notes are confused. <laughs> A-G-A-P-E with a little slash over your E. Agape. <laughs> I'm sorry I tickled myself. Any case, God's talking to me. Any case, God is love. So how, okay, so 
So if I have no idea what love is, and God is love, how do I, how, am, how, how do I love God? Well, I'm so glad you asked. You know that Jesus gave us the answer in three different scriptures, and God gave us the answer in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. But before we go there, we are going to go there. Don't panic on me. Go to 1 Thessalonians real quick. Because we get into, before we get into this, I've got to help you out. Because I started talking about this last night, and I stressed my mom out real bad. I stressed her out real bad. I practiced, I, we, we talked about this, practiced this out a little bit on, on uh, Pastor Mike and I were talking it out. We practiced it a little bit on mom, and we stressed her out really bad. So, uh, we're going to start y'all over here, <laughs> so, so that hopefully we can avoid the train wreck. Because... <laughs> Because uh, it took us a few minutes to get the train back on, on track last night. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 right. Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to pick up right here in verse 16. Because in verse 16 to, 20, uh, 16 to 22, here God gives us a lot of to-dos as Christians. A lot of to-dos. All right. Verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Okay, so these things right here, these are good, these are good things to start applying to your life. If you, if you are more of a complainer than a rejoicer, it's time for you to, to, to change your mind and become a rejoicer. Switch from being a complainer to being a rejoicer. This is, this is how much you know, God doesn't sit on his throne and complain and murmur. No, he sits on the throne. In fact, as we've been going through the book of Revelations, we find out that in heaven, it's constantly a party of rejoicing. Every time we turn around, there's nothing happening in heaven but rejoicing for the most part. So, so this is one way that we can become like God is to rejoice every more, ever more. Pray without ceasing. This is another good characteristic of a Christian to uh, to continue to be continuous in prayer. When it says now, and you'll say that to people, especially new believers, and the first thing they'll say is, "It's impossible to pray all day long." I've got work to do. I've got things to do. My brain can't be on that. I've got school work to do. We're in a, Jesus is not talking about being continual, focus 100% on him, pray, pray, pray. What he's talking about is no matter what situation comes in your life, pray about it. Don't handle it in your own might, power, and ability. Yes, you have a brain in your head, but use the brain to tell yourself, uh, we need to go talk to God. Yeah, yeah. You, you use your brain for, for you, we do use our brains, but, for, but above all, we don't use our brains above God. In fact, in Proverbs, it tells us not to lean on our own understanding, not to lean on the power of the brain, but to lean on God instead. Uh, so, here, so here it says... And we talked about this some at the, at the conference. We did, a little uh, bit. It's, it's easy when your back's up against the wall and you don't have any choice to remember to pray to God yeah. and remember to rely on God. Because... Let's face it. When you're in over your head and you're you're sinking fast, no you're going to reach out, you're going to reach out to God because you don't have a choice. Yeah. But the hard thing is to do it in the little things. Yeah. In the things that you know you could you could 
figure out yourself or you could do yourself, but but you want to get God's will on it. You want to you want to you want to include him in your life. And here's the deal. You can be mopping. How much you know you don't need a lot of brain power to figure out how to mop. Once you've learned how to mop, you can pretty well do that without thinking. Um, that's a good time just to begin to talk to the Lord about things that are on your heart, things that are bothering you. That's a good time driving down the road. That's a good time to talk to the Lord. So he's just saying, just, just keep prayer always at the forefront. In everything, give thanksgiving. Well, does that mean I give God thanksgiving for the sickness in my body? No, you give God thanksgiving uh, for the fact that you have faith to overcome the sickness. You thank God that God gave you the word to tell you that, that you need to get past the sickness. You thank God for the opportunity to use your faith. You, find, you can always find some reason to thank God. Amen. And notice it says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You hear people say it all the time. Well, you just don't know the will of God. Well, if you don't know the will of God, it's because you haven't read the word. Amen. Because he just told you, this is one of the few, this is one of the many, 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 many places that God tells you his will. In fact, that, <laughs> in fact, this is the last will and testament of God. Will and testament. When somebody dies and we go, well, we don't know what they wanted us to do with all their stuff. Somebody goes and finds the paper that has it written down what their will is. Well, guess what? God wrote down his will. So it's God's will that we always give thanksgiving. It is not God's will that we murmur and complain. Amen. Somebody needs to write that down. It's not God's will that we murmur and complain. Quench not the spirit. Now, this is a big one. Quench not the spirit. In other words, well, I thought we were talking about love. Yeah, we are, because all of these will come into play with you loving God. Quench not the spirit. When the spirit speaks to you, don't go, no, no, Jesus, I got it. No, no, Holy Ghost, I got it. Don't do that. Don't quench the spirit. The more, when, when God begins, most of the time I have found, when, mo, when I sit down and counsel with people or you know, have a conversation with people, and I get to talking to them, and I'll go, um, well, what does God have to say on it? And they'll go, well, I don't know. I don't hear, the, I don't hear God anymore. I find out one of two things. Either, uh, one of two things is either they've not gone to God about it in prayer, but the thing that I have found out the most is that when they heard the whole, in, in, they got into the mess they're in because at the beginning the Holy Ghost was talking to them. They heard from the Holy Ghost and then they, and then they didn't follow the Holy Ghost and they kept doing this and doing this and doing this until it got to the point where the Holy Ghost said, I ain't got nothing to say. How much you know if somebody comes to you for advice and you give it to them and they, and they don't, don't take it? And then they come to you for advice and you give it to them and they don't take it. And then they come to you for advice and, they, and you give it to them and they don't take it. It's not long before you stop giving them advice, right? And this is, this is more That's like somebody comes to you for advice and you start to give it to them and they cut you off and go on their own. own right, but you don't with, understand. And they, and they, they cut you off and, and start on their own thing and they're not... See, that's quenching the Holy Spirit. When you cut the Holy Spirit off and you don't let him finish what he's saying, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit will come to you with the smallest of things. I've had the Holy Spirit tell me to bring a raincoat as I'm walking out the door. And I'm like, it's not supposed to rain. I've had the Holy Ghost tell me to go check the front door and make sure the front door is locked. Listen, we had a house, we, our house uh, for 20 years didn't, have, it didn't even have a lock on the door. 
did not even have a lock on the door. The new house has locks on the doors, and it's in a more populated area. So guess what? we got to use the locks. So now the Holy Ghost is having to train us. Go make sure. Don't, don't just lock the door you're going out, but go check the front door. Make sure that door is locked too. The Holy Ghost, why? Because the Holy Ghost cares. The Holy Ghost cares about every little thing. He'll tell you, hey, grab that paper before you leave. You're going to need it. And, and I'll tell you, we've learned through experience, when the Holy Ghost tells you something, you don't ask why. You just, you do, just it. do it. Grab that raincoat. Grab that, 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 jack, that extra jack for your car. That's right. And put it in the back. That's you know, right. Just uh, do it. When you get to the top of the driveway and the, and the Holy Spirit says, don't go the way you normally go, go the other way. There's I don't know why, but I'm going the other way. There's a reason. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to do what it says, and that's not quenching the Holy Spirit. Yep. Despise not prophecy. What this means, so prophecy is the word spoken in, by sudden inspiration of the Spirit. Uh, a lot of times we'll have a word spoken to us by sudden inspiration of the Spirit, and we just blow it off. We just blow it off. Um, now, and, and then sometimes, now a lot of times people think of, when, you know, you come up, there's a prayer line, you come up, the minister lays hands on you, they have a word from heaven, you go, oh, I got it, I received it, and then you never give it another thought. That is despising prophecy. But many, many, many times people are prophesying, and they, the person that's prophesying doesn't realize it because they don't understand what it is, or the person hearing it doesn't understand what it is uh, because they, they don't recognize it. Prophecy is one when someone speaks to you by sudden inspiration of the Spirit. There, this week, Derek texted me, or I guess it was towards the end of last week. Towards the end of last week, Derek sent me a text. And he said, Pastor, or actually, I'd say exactly what day it was. It was on Monday. Monday, Derek sent me a text while we were driving up to Gatlinburg. And Derek said, you know, Pastor, I know everything's settled and everything's gone to bed and what have you, but I'm just spending time with God, and I just feel an unction to pray for you, and this is my prayer. And I know Derek, he's, he's typing as it's coming to him. And I know how Derek, his mind thinks, and I know how Derek, hearing from God, speaks. And as I read his, spirit, when I, as I read his text, I was like, because I knew he was typing by sudden inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then... Um, I, and then I read the text out loud to Pastor Mike later in the day when I had time to because I knew that he meant it for both of us. And so as I was reading it for him, I actually had to pause like three times to get, to get it out uh, because I kept getting teared up because it was what he was, what, what he got over into spending time with God and God said, Derek, I need you to pray this for your pastor so that I can do this for them in their life. And so he typed this out, and, and he's like, I hope this makes sense. And I was like, man, you just blessed my socks off. This is amazing. Just go ahead and jerk the tears out of my head. That's fine. It's okay. You know, no, I was nicer than that. I, I actually received it really well. And um, then this week we were talking, and I said, I said, uh, prophecy is when you speak or when you type by sudden inspiration of the Spirit. And he went, Wait, what? And I laughed because I knew what had just hit him. I laughed. And I said, oh. I said, you just figured out that text you sent me was prophecy? He said, I didn't know that's what that was. And I said, 
Did you know what you were typing before you typed it? He said, no, I just knew I was supposed to pray. And so I typed the word, Pastor, I'm supposed to pray. And he said, the rest just came out. That's sudden inspiration of the Spirit. That's prophecy. You know, when Brother Randy's famous for this, he'll walk up to you and he'll just say a sentence. He'll just say one simple sentence. And, he, and, and, and you just, you're, you melt. You're a puddle. You're a puddle on the floor. Why? Because it just speaks to your spirit. It speaks what you know. Somebody, we were at the restaurant and uh, we were at Calhoun's. And I mean, the service was slow. I mean, slow. Like, I was like, sure would be nice to have a waitress to come get our drink order slow. Um, and then a few minutes, probably two or three minutes later, the waitress came over and she got our drink orders. And we put in an appetizer order. And it was, what, five, probably ten minutes before our drink showed up. Um, and I'm thinking, what is going on? I thought our food was going to come out before our appetizers come out. And, uh, you know, and, and the waitress, when she was present, did a very good job. But there was a lot of breaks in between. And one thing I know about waitressing is sometimes it's not the waitress. A lot of, Sometimes it's the kitchen that's being held up. But they weren't busy enough for the kitchen to be held up. It was, like, crazy. So I was just sitting there. We're talking about loving God. Believe it or not, we're talking about loving God. So I'm just sitting there, and as we're approaching, as, as I'm going through my meal and I'm eating my meal, and I'm not thrilled with the, with the timing of the service. The service itself was great, but the timing, how long it was taking, was not great. Of course, we were all hangry. That doesn't help the situation any. Um, and uh, we got our bill, and uh, I, I, the Lord just prompted me to give, this, to give this waitress a really good tip. Really good tip. Don't freak out and fall on the floor. Our bill was $109. Uh, I gave her a $50 tip because that's what the Spirit said to give her. Now, that doesn't include the tips that everybody else gave. That's just what Pastor Mike and I missing. That's, that was our bill. We sewed that to her. And uh, I, I was just talking to her, and I said, just out of curiosity, do you all get to keep your tips, or do, you get, or do you have to split them at the end of the shift? She said, oh, no, ma'am, we get to keep our tips. And I said, oh, that's very good. And she was doing stuff, and then all of a sudden she realized what the tip was that we gave her. And she kind of stumbled a little bit. And, I, and she said, and her eyes kind of got big, and I said, uh, she said, thank you so much. I said, that's not from me, that's from Jesus. Talking about loving God, talking about sudden inspiration of the Spirit. So I was not, though I did not speak a prophecy, I was suddenly inspired to bless. And so I, so I said, no, that's from Jesus. She walked to the other side of the table to do the next check, and I called her name. Uh, by the name, her name was Bree. I called her name, and I said, uh, Bree. I said, like I said, that's from Jesus, and oh, by the way, God has you in the palm of his hand. Prophecy. And, and that kind of startled her and kind of shook her, and she kind of finished, and she left, and she came back to the table, and she, came, and she, and she addressed the entire table, and she said, y'all have been such a blessing to me today. You have no idea how how blessed I am today. Oh, um, and uh, I, she said, you have no idea how blessed I am today. She said, it's been dead in here all day. I mean, dead. No customers at all. Understand, waitresses make their living off of a tip. And she said, when she, she said, 
And the, she said, the table right before you, the table I was checking out before you, they had a $139 bill, and they tipped me 53 cents. That's the only customer I've had today. She said, I was so discouraged. I was so disheartened. She said, y'all have been good to me. You've been nice to me. You were kind to me. And then you blessed me. And I said, well, honey, that's from Jesus. That's not from us. I said, just out of curiosity, do you know Jesus? And she said, oh, yes, ma'am, I do. In fact, my dad is a Southern Baptist preacher. I said, well, see, I told you, God's got you right in the palm of his hands. And she was about, she's like, thank you. And I mean, she had, you could tell she was about to tear up. But see, when I told her, God's got you right in the palm of her hand, that's prophecy. And this, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, when you're filled with the love of God, once you've learned to love God so that you can therefore love yourself, then you can love your neighbor. And she's our neighbor. All right. So that's that's so, a long study on that. Didn't mean to get all the way there, but right. somebody needed to hear that this morning. All right. You had something else? No, or we keep going? Oh, right. uh, you want to keep going? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we haven't gotten so to the I did verse have I need. I thought you were getting ready to change. No, no, no. We hadn't no, gotten to where we need no. to go. So prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. So you just got a prophecy. And you're like, I don't want to despise it, but that doesn't sound right. Like, there's people that have prophesied over people and said, you need to leave your wife and go marry this oh, other Lord person. Oh, Lord Jesus, don't. No, 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 no. That is something you can easily prove in the Bible is not from prophecy. God. Prophecy, yes. So, I just so, not agree with the so scriptures. you're supposed to you're supposed to prove all things by the word of God. So you match up what's what's one what God's been telling you, and yes. two what's in His Word. And if it doesn't match up, then you 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 put it away. Yeah. If it but doesn't if, line up with the word, throw it in the trash can. Yeah. If it lines up with the word, but you don't have a, uh, but it doesn't, um, but it does, confirm something that's already working on you, then put it on the shelf. Put it on the shelf and and hold on to, hold on to the things which are good. You don't just you don't just go oh thanks and then leave it. Mm-hmm. You hold on to it. You meditate on it. You think about it. You pray about it because God's got more for you. It's not just that one word. Here's a good example the Lord just brought to me years and years. I mean years ago, long time ago. I don't, I don't know. I think you'll remember this. Long time ago, um, under Pastor Tommy, uh, a dear Reverend friend of ours, uh, Reverend Terry Winston, came to the church. Uh, he was the gentleman that gave Pastor Mike the coat. If y'all know that testimony, if you don't, you'll hear it eventually. Uh, but um, Pastor Terry Winston, came, I mean Reverend Terry Winston, came to the church and he was ministering. And he called Pastor, he called Mike up, and at that point, Mike was just ushering uh, and and helping on the praise team. And uh, Pastor Terry or Reverend Terry Winston uh, had a word for him, not and not once or twice. I think he had it two or three times, the same word on two or three different events. But in that, in that word, that night, that prophecy, he talked about uh, Michael having a platform and that he would be, that, that God was going to do a work in him to where he would be like a bug zapper for Jesus and that he would, that, that people that were just right on the edge of going to hell, like, like Satan would think, that, that he was, that the person was, like, Satan would think, I've got him. Even the person would think, I'm headed for hell. And, and right there, he, these people would come in contact with Pastor Mike, 
uh, or with Mike, because he was ushering at the time, that he'd come in contact with Mike and that he would snatch him out of the gates of hell. He would basically zap hell out of him. We've, he's now a pastor, and we've had a couple of people that have had that type of experience with him. Yes. Um, so way back there, in fact, Michael walked away from that, from that prophecy going, I don't know what he meant about a platform and a bug zapper, but okay, Lord, I guess I'm going to stick it on the shelf. Well, we've picked it up and prayed for it, prayed about it from time to time. We just pick it up and pray about it from time to time and look where the Lord's left us, brought us. So, so number one, when you get a prophecy, prove it out within the word. If it holds true to the word, uh, great. If it doesn't agree with the word, dear Lord, throw it out. If somebody tells you to marry somebody or do something and that's not, just throw that stuff away. Hold fast to that which is a good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain. In other words, how much do you know appearance is everything? Perception is everything. Perception is everything. You could be a guy and a girl and just have a great, just, just basically have a basic friendship. There's nothing going on. There's no attraction. There's nothing going on. But you two are alone. What's everybody going to automatically assume? You're hooking up. You're getting serious. There's stuff going on. Perception. You could go to the. You could go down here to the ABC store and get some sherry just to cook you a special fancy meal. But because you're at the ABC store, what's everybody going to assume? That you're a drinker. That you're a drinker. Um, appearance matters. You could maybe somebody in your car likes to drink, or maybe you know you don't do anything. You're you're, you're clean. You're trying to help somebody else that have a car, and they want to go down here to the to the dispensary. And your car's at the dispensary. Guess what? Everybody's thinking you're taking part of the dispensary. You know, again, I mean, Pastor Mike and I won't even go on the casino property. I don't care what restaurants are there. I don't care that they've got a nicer bowling alley than the one in Blairsville. I don't care. I'm not even going on that property. Why? Because they're going to assume that the preacher's gambling. Right. I'm not going there. Abstain from the appearance of evil. Abstain from it. These are all... These are all tactics for showing God that you love him. But let's look at verse 23 because this is the one I want to show you. And that, uh, let's read verse 23. All right. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So those things that we just read, the Holy Spirit's saying... If you'll do these things, these will help you. Uh, these will help the God of peace to sanctify you wholly. In other words, if you will put these things in practice in your life, you're going to help God set you apart as a holy vessel for his use. So that's what he says. But here's what I, here's what I really want you to look And that's why we read those. But I want you to look at this. He said, I pray God... Uh, and, and, and Paul, uh, the writers threw that in there to help us understand that Paul was basically saying, I'm asking God, uh, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at these three words, soul or spirit, soul, and body. These three words. For for many, 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 even probably hundreds of years, most ministers thought that soul and spirit 
or soul, spirit, and heart all meant the same thing. They, For many years, they thought soul and heart, soul and spirit meant the same thing. That's what they thought. Well, Kenneth E. Hagin was meditating on this scripture, and he started to ask the Lord, because here, the, by the Spirit, by the action of the Spirit, here Paul wrote spirit, soul, body. He wrote three very distinct parts of the parts, three very distinct different things. And so, for, so Dad Hagen started, Kenneth, Reverend Kenneth e. Hagen started meditating what was the difference between the spirit, the soul, and the body. Well, the body's not hard to figure out. That's this part right here. That's not hard to figure out. But what's the difference between the spirit and the soul? Well, when you look at the original Greek, the definitions are not very helpful, to be honest. They're not super helpful, to be honest. So he, so he, he really meditated on this. Believe it or not, he makes, some people will meditate on something for a few hours and go, well, I just don't get it. They'll put it on the shelf, never pick it up again. And they'll say this, well, I guess I'm just not meant to understand. Everything in the Bible, God put it in there so for the purpose of you understanding it. Amen. If you don't understand some part of it, meditate on it, think on it, talk it out with God, do your research on it, begin to figure it out. And eventually, God will give you the answer. So for 15 years, Reverend Kenneth E. Hagen meditated on the difference between spirit, soul, and body. He'd get around these other ministers. He'd get around... Um, Charles Capps and, and Jerry Savelle and Oral Roberts and, and all the fathers of faith of his day. He'd get around all these ministers, other ones you hadn't even heard of. He'd ask uh, uh, other people around him, all these Assembly of God ministers and Baptist ministers. I mean, he asked any minister he could come along with. He'd say, what's the difference? Between, I, I want to I ask you about this verse right here. What's the difference between spirit, soul, and body? And they say, oh, the spirit, the soul, that's all the same thing. It's all just the same. And he just could not get it settled in him for 15 years. And then after 15 years, he finally decided, you know what? I'm just going to take God at his word that spirit, soul, and body are three different parts. That he said that the very God of peace shall sanctify you Holy, that means completely. And we've learned that when there's a semicolon or a colon, that that means that God is giving us details about what he just said. So in order to be sanctified holy, and then God says, and I pray that your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body, all of you, uh, be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He finally, after 15 years, Dad Hagen finally decided, you know what? I'm just going to take God at his word, and I'm going to trust that we're a spirit, a soul, and a body. And since that day, we, ha we in the church world has been teaching that we are a spirit, a soul, and a body. What is our spirit? Our spirit is the eternal part of us that is that, that's the part of us that lives for eternity. That's the part of us that either goes to heaven or hell according to our choice. That's the, that is the real us on the inside. Nobody has ever seen the real me. Why? Because I'm clothed 
in a soul and in a body. The eternal part of me, the part of me that makes my body live, is my spirit. Then the soul is, is what we refer to as our mind and our emotions. Our mind and our emotions. Our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. That is the soul. And then, of course, the body, the spirit and the soul are, are, are held or housed in a physical body. So these are our three parts. So now we understand what soul is, right? Soul's what? The mind and the emotions, right? I'm about to rock your world. About to rock your world. Remember that uh, all of the ministers for all of those years said the spirit or the heart and the soul are all the same thing. But here we find a scripture that tells us, no, 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 they're not. All right. So I'm going to mess up your theology. And, of course, it goes, <laughs> this goes back to the beginning when God created man and woman. He created us in his image. Yes. So he, God, remember, God's a three-part being himself. Yes. As the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he made us in his image. He made us a three-part being, too. So, uh, yes. so you got the Holy Spirit. That's our spirit or, or in equivalent. You got Jesus, which Jesus became flesh, right? So that's that's our flesh, yep. an equivalent. And then and then you got you got God, and that's our our intellect, our, our intellect, right? As a soul. So He made us okay. a three part being, just like He made just like He is. Okay. First place I want you to go is Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two. Because we got to see something in Genesis chapter two that will help us understand something. Genesis chapter 2. All right. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. All right. For sake of time, there's more I could say here, but the important part is verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Okay. So all of the other, if you go back into chapter 1, you'll find out that every animal and every creature and every plant on the earth was, came into existence when God spoke. Yep. When God spoke, all of the animals came to life, all of the plants came to life. That was, he, he did all of that by speaking. Okay? But here we find out that when it comes to the human being, B-E-I-N-G, uh, being, and that word human being, even from a scientific standpoint, means a, uh, that we are both human and spirit. That's what that means, actually, even from a scientific standpoint. But over the decades of history and the centuries of history, they've, they've dropped the being and just call us human. But once upon a time, science actually acknowledged that we were both natural creatures and spiritual creatures. Because um, we learned that when we were in school, human beings. They didn't say what the being meant, but we weren't just human. We were human beings. All right. So it says, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. So this is, this is what this means is that God used both of his hands and he took the clay of the ground and he formed and he molded man. God is still forming and molding man today with his hands. 
when you were formed over in the book of Jeremiah, over in the book of Psalms, it says that God knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. God forms you. Another scripture says that he knit us together in our mother's womb. That's the picture of, hand, of creating something by hand. Each and every single one of us is uniquely and wonderfully made by the hand of God. Amen. Nothing, no, no other thing on the planet can say that, you, that it was created by the hand of God. But what God did in the beginning, he is still doing today. So when he formed Adam with his hands, he still forms us with his hands. When he formed Adam of the dust of the ground, guess what? If you take the human body to its very basic chemistry level, we're the same thing as the dirt in the ground. That's why the Bible says, from, du from dust we came to dust will return. Because every human being, even when you are created in the womb, everything that makes you up from a chemical standpoint is the same thing as the dirt of the ground. That's why. And, and so not only did he form you, but he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. God is love. And, and he took his breath and he breathed into us in, our, in the womb. And when he did that, his spirit uh, actually... Let me back. Let, let me let me draw you this picture. Let me draw you this picture. Jesse Duplantis has a. If you've never heard his encounter, you need to hear it. Uh, Close Encounters of the God Kind. Jesse Duplantis to this day, he says, I don't know if I physically went or if I just spiritually went, but it was so real. I it seemed like I was there physically. God allowed Jesse Duplantis, and whatever you think of him, one way or the other, the account is the account. Okay, Jesse Duplantis. Um, God took him to heaven, and he walked in heaven. He met with the Lord Jesus. He, he, God talked, walked him around. Jesus took him into the throne room of God. He said he had to shield his eyes because he couldn't hardly see. But what he could see from the light was the light was emanating. He said it was almost like it was breathing. And what he could see is he could see all of these little spirits, these little babies, these little spirits, and they were whirling around uh, the throne of God, around the, the head, around God. And he said, every time God breathed out, he breathed out little spirits. Every time he breathed out, there were little spirits that he breathed out. So when it says that God breathed into man's nostrils, he breathed a spirit into you. That's what the breath of life is. That's what the breath of life is. That's when you became a spirit being. A spirit being. Notice that it says, and man became a living soul. Well, Pastor, we just read that soul is your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. We did read that. But this word soul actually literally means the breath of life. But it can also mean thoughts, feelings, and emotions. In the Hebrew and in the Greek, the word soul is interchangeable with being the breath of life, the spirit of a man, or it could mean 
the uh, simply your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, your your soul, your personality, your it could your intellect. It could mean that as well. This word soul is interchangeable based on the context of the scripture around it. So you've got to look at the scripture around it to understand which definition are we using. If we were to translate this today in our language, we would say it this way, and man became a living spirit. But they didn't understand spirit in the Old Testament. They understood soul in the Old Testament in, the, in that, at that period of time. Remember, the Bible is a progressive revelation. So I need you to keep that idea of soul in your mind. All right. So now let's go to Matthew 22. Talking about how to love God. How to love God. I say go to Matthew. Hold your spot right there. Let's go to, let's go to John 14 real quick. I've got to lay a little bit more groundwork before we get into this. John 14. John 14. i just got to lay a little bit more groundwork. All right. Let's look at John 14, verse 15. All right. So John 14, verse 15 says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Okay. So what did, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, If you love me, you'll do what? Keep, keep his, his commandments. commandments. All right. So this is one way that we can love God, is we can keep his commandments. Um. Let's pick up at verse uh, 20. All right. And at that, at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath, command, or he that, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. So we see it again. You want to show God that you love him? Keep the commandments. Keep going. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Okay. So by, by keeping the commandments of Jesus, not only were we showing Jesus that we love him, but we're showing the father that we love him, and therefore the father's going to love us. Um. And it says that if we'll do this, if we'll show Jesus that we love him, and if we show the Father that we love him, if we, do, if we show him the commandments, look at what it says. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus said, and will manifest myself to him. Jesus will come visit you face to face when you show him that you love him, with, when you show him that you love him. When you show him that you love him, Jesus will come visit you face to face. He will manifest himself. That's a promise. That's a promise. Let's read a little bit more. There's a couple more I want to show you. Verse 22. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot. A different Judas. 
Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my word. All right. So now it's, so now Jesus makes it a little easier. It's, he takes the law out of it. He says, just keep my word. Just be a keeper of my word. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. How much do you know? Let's keep reading. We're going to find out how he's going to do this because it tells right. us. So, and then he goes on to say what, what it looks like when he, when he doesn't, when, he, when we don't love him. He says, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So it's not, he's not saying keep my sayings. He's saying keep the sayings that my Father gave me. Mm -hmm. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Keep going. Peace I leave with you, and my, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So many people say, oh, I just love that verse where Jesus says he's going to leave his peace. And they're thinking of it from an emotional standpoint. I will have the emotion of peace. No, the peace that Jesus left us was the Holy Spirit. Go back to the prior verse. Go back to verse 26. Verse 26 said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things. How much do you know? If the Father God's with you, he's teaching you. Mm -hmm. When the Holy Ghost teaches you things, that is the Father manifesting in your life. He will bring all things to your remembrance. When you're running around the house like a chicken with your head cut off, Looking for your wallet. Looking for your wallet. I said, are you sure? Pastor Mike, we were getting ready to leave town. We went to Zaxby's to grab lunch on our way out of town. We're in the drive-thru, and he goes, you know what? I don't have my wallet. He looked in the glove box where he thought it was. He said, nope, my wallet's not in there. I have my wallet. Back to the house we go, to the church we came. We're back to the house we went. He looked around, couldn't find it. I said, did you check your computer bags? Yeah, I checked them. I said, are you sure you checked your computer bags? He said, yeah, I checked them. Sometimes the Holy Ghost speaks through your wife. And he said, yeah, That's I checked That's a little them. harder to listen to. Huh? <laughs> I'm just saying, sometimes, you, sometimes people, the Holy Ghost will speak through your spouse. Sometimes they'll, listen, parents, sometimes the Holy Ghost will speak through your kids. Listen, kids, when you're speaking by the Holy Ghost, do it gently. Do it gently. Come on. Honor your parents. Come on. When, uh, when the Holy Ghost brings all things to your remembrance. Listen, we have perfected this manifestation of God in our house. We have perfected it. Not, I mean, this, this last time was a rarity. Uh, but normally we'll go, okay, Father, set that, set, you know, whatever I'm looking for, set it before. And before we even get the prayer done, there it is. We've perfected that prayer. Uh, and uh, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now. We're not going to get into this today because of time, because I want to talk to you about love and God. But what are the what are the gifts of the Holy Ghost? Come on, love, tongues. Joy, no, Tongue. I'm sorry, I said the gifts, not the fruits. The gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, prophecy. Come on, special faith, the discerning of spirits, the word of wisdom, the word healing. of knowledge, gifts of healings. 
the workings of signs, wonders, and miracles, miracles. Yep. the more, what was the, when he's talking about the Holy Ghost, what was, what, what did he talk about right before it? Back up, back up a verse or two. Back oh. up two verses. <clears throat> Might be three verses. What did he, what were we just talking about? If the, a man love me, he will keep verse my Verse 21. Words. Yeah. Okay, all the way yeah. back to 21. Okay. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So if you're walking in love, you're going to get the manifestation. Then look at verse 23. What's he say? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him. And, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Who lives on the inside of us? Jesus and the Father. The Father, the Son, and they do it through the, the Spirit, Holy too. Ghost, right? Yeah. They do it through the Holy Ghost. What are the gifts of the Holy Ghost? Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirit, the gift of special faith, gifts of healings, and, sign, and the workings of signs, wonders, and miracles. So if you want these things to flow in your life, you got to get the love. You got to start loving God. The more you love God, the more the gifts will flow, and the more you'll desire the gifts too. The more you love God, the more you show God that you love Him. The more that you keep His commandments, the more love that you give God, the more God will manifest in your personal life. All right. That was a good word. Let's say that again. The more you love God, the more you show that you love God, the more the the more that the man that God will manifest Himself through the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. I didn't Amen. say it exactly the same way, but you got the point. That was good word right there. All right, now let's go to Matthew. Okay, so Pastor, how do we love God? So that we can get these gifts to really start flowing. That's Matthew 22. Matthew 22. How do we, how, I mean, okay, okay, God, I get it. We got to follow your commandments. I get it. We got to do your will. I get it. But how, God, oh, God, do we actually love you? Y'all right, going to have to listen fast. Go to verse 37. Well, let's back up to verse 33. Okay, 33 then. Because you got to know who's talking to him. you got to know who he's talking to. Now, when, was, when did this conversation occur? This conversation occurred after he rode the donkey, a couple of days after he rode the donkey in to Jerusalem. If you go back to chapter 21, you find out that this is when he entered Jerusalem on the donkey, or they went and got the meal for the donkey. Uh, they, went and got, they went to get the donkey. And he, ran, and he came into town, and, and they were crying Hosanna onto him, and he began to teach, and then he left the city, then he came back the next day, and he taught, and then he left, and then he came back, and so for two or three days, he was, he, he was going, and he was teaching in Jerusalem, going outside of the city at night, and the reason he was going outside of the city at night is because he was making all the religious people mad, and they wanted to kill him. Yeah, but it wasn't time for him to die Actually, when he came yet. in on the donkeys, that's when we celebrate Palm Sunday. Right. Because they were laying down the, the palm fronds and the branches right. to, to right. Uh, honor him. So this is, so, so this is not, this is the, so he's teaching this the week of his crucifixion is when he is teaching this. All right, so go to verse 33. All right, 33. 
And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees got together. They, they had both tried separately to come and, and discredit Jesus. Now they're going to get together and try and discredit okay. Jesus. So just a, just a little blurb reminder who the Pharisees are and the Sadducees are. The Pharisees were the Jews that, that followed all of the Old Testament scriptures. The Sadducees were the Jews that only followed the five books of the Torah. And the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. The Sadducees believed that when you die, you die, and then this is how I remember it. The Sadducees believed that when you die, you die, and that's why they're sad, you see. That's how I remember it, <laughs> just to help you out. It will help you, because if you don't keep this straight, you'll get confused. Absolutely. So... Uh, the Sadducees had come and questioned him about uh, who's going to be married to who if they had seven wives, seven spouses and all that. And Jesus said, you don't even know what you're talking about. And he corrected them out of the book of Exodus. Why? Because they only listened to the first five books of the Torah. The Pharisees had been to him priorly, and he corrected them out of the later books, out of the prophet books. And so when... so. So basically, the prophet, the, the Pharisees tried to catch Jesus, and Jesus outwitted them. And then the Sadducees, so, so the Pharisees left and sent in the Sadducees to get him. And then the Sadducees went in to catch him, and they couldn't catch him in his logic. So now, they went to get the, because we see here that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, notice it says, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. In other words, the, 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 the regular Pharisees and the regular Sadducees, they went and got the Sanhedrin. Who are the Sanhedrin? The Sanhedrin are the Jewish court rulers. And the Sanhedrin are made up of both Pharisees and Sadducees. So basically, uh, what, what we're fixing to see is they kind of, they, they tried to kind of put Jesus on trial in the streets so that they could kind of get him in a situation where they could bring legal charges against him. That's what he tried to, that's what they're going to, that's what they're trying to do. All right, so when they were gathered together, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Hold on. This is because there's a lawyer present. We, this is how we know. It's the Pharisees, the Sadducees. One of them's a lawyer. This means this is the Sanhedrin. This is the Jewish court system, so to speak, against him. All right. Tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Okay. So Jesus specified. Jesus specifies right here because they said, what's the greatest commandment? And he said that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Well, pastor, that's three parts, but it doesn't say nothing about the body. And it doesn't say anything about the spirit either. It doesn't say anything about the spirit. I'm so glad you pointed those things out. Now, this is where I'm going to hurt your theology. 
you gotta you gotta stay with me or you're gonna like your head's gonna tilt okay I need you to stay with me this word heart in the Greek is the word um, cardia it's spelled k-a-r-d-i-a that's the word we get cardiac from right cardia now this word cardia can mean it's got a lot of different definitions so stay with me on the definitions okay there's a lot there's a lot of definitions the first definition is the heart specifically the organ um, in the in the animal body which is the center of the circulation of the blood now is that what Jesus is talking about no so that definition we can all we can automatically kick out have you ever gone to look up a word and found out that it had five or six different definitions and you had to figure out which definition well that's what this word cardia is it's got a whole bunch of definitions and we got to figure out the right one the second definition of heart the second the second so this word means the heart uh, and it means so it doesn't mean the physical organ it denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. Well, pastor, that sounds like that could be spirit or soul because it's physical life or spiritual life. I agree 100%. So we still don't know what definition to use. Definition number, uh, the definition C, the vigor and sense of physical life. Well, that sounds like what we call soul, the thoughts, feelings, and emotions, the vigor of life, right? So that's got to be what that means. Uh, but he said, so, but we're not done. Definition D, the center and seat of spiritual life. Now, now wait a minute. Straight to the spirit. Now we're back over here in the spirit. But that definition has uh, four different possibilities under it. Come on, stay with me. All right. Definition one, the soul or mind. As it is the fountain of the seat of our thoughts, our passions, our desires, our appetites, our affections, our purposes, endeavors. Well, that sounds more like the soul or the mind. Well, that's the first definition. All right. So now we're confused again. All right. Definition number two of the, of the understanding, the uh, faculty and seat of the intelligence. Well, Pastor, this is really leaning towards the thought life i agree of will and character well that sounds a lot like the thought but how much do you know your per your the real part of you has a real will and the real part of you the eternal part of you your spirit has a character so where it's leaning toward the mind part thoughts feelings and emotions that one could go either way i promise i'm not trying to mess you up i'm just trying to help you see this definition number four of the soul so as far as it is affected and stirred in a bad way or good, or the soul as the seat of our sensibilities, our affections, our emotions, our desires, our appetites, and our passions. Okay, that's, that, that's leaning towards feelings, but that's wrapped up in the soul. I agree. Of the middle or central or inner or inmost part of everything, even though inanimate now wait a minute inanimate well like, like the center of a rock <laughs> that, I get like the heart of a tree all right that makes sense so so we <laughs> have read this definition and we are no closer to figuring out what jesus meant when he said heart other than it could be our spirit or it could be our soul so we're going to put that word heart on the shelf for just a few minutes 
Have I lost you yet? Okay, we're good so Hold far, on. right? Hold on. She's still got a few more turns to make. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Fasten your seatbelts. Tie down your wigs. Hold on. All right. So heart could mean spirit or heart could mean soul. That's not too bad. Now, Jesus said, with all thy soul. Let's look at that definition. This what word definition. Is that one? Oh, you want me to pronounce oh, it? Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that one. Okay, that's Puske. Puske. Yeah, exactly. That is spelled, for those of you that want to write it down, that is spelled P-S-U-C-H long E. This word means breath. Breath. It has one definition, it has one, two, three definitions under it. The first definition is the breath of life. Which we already discussed. Which we already discussed is the spirit. The vital force which emanates the body and shows itself in breathing. And this could be with animals or men. So had they not thrown the animals or men part in there, we'd go, well, there's no doubt about it. This is spirit. However, they threw the animal part in there. So while it talks about that thing that gives you life, it doesn't always necessarily, it doesn't always mean spirit. Uh, it, um, the second definition of this word is life. The third part of this definition is that in which there is life, specifically a living being or a living soul. Doesn't that sound a whole lot like Genesis chapter 1 or chapter 2? All right. It gets a little wonky here. Definition number two for this word soul. It can mean the soul. The seat of feelings, desires, affections, aversions, our heart, our soul, etc. That sounds right. The human soul, insofar as it is constituted that by the right use of the aids offered it by God, it can attain its highest end and secure eternal blessedness. The soul regarded as the moral being designed for everlasting life. Whoop, that takes us right back to spirit. All right. The third definition for that word. The soul as an essence which differs, uh, which differs from the body and is not dissolved by death, distinguished from other parts of the body. So, when Jesus used the word soul here, we can definitely say this definition leans strongly to to the spirit so here even though jesus said soul really what he meant was spirit really that's what he meant was spirit one more word to go all right and with all thy mind mind now this is a short easy one to figure out the mind as a faculty of understanding feeling and desiring Understanding, the second definition. Third definition, the mind, i.e., it can be used for spirit. This word can be used for spirit, but primarily it's used for the way of thinking or feeling. Definition number four, the thoughts, every, uh, either good or bad. So, when Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy, we could read it this way. Let's read it this way. 
love the Lord all thy uh, love the Lord uh, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart because we're still trying to figure out what definition fits with all thy spirit because we decided that word means spirit and with all thy mind here we understand that these are your thoughts that's what this definition with your intellect all right so now let's go back to that definition in soul and figure out which definition or heart and let's figure out what definition fits the best well we know it's not the organ we know it's not referring to the spirit in us because we've already decided what one of these words means spirit uh but we've already addressed the mind or the thoughts but what we have not addressed is our passions our desires our appetites our affections our purposes and our endeavors so we could read this verse this way and jesus said unto him uh thou shall love the lord thy god with all of your emotions with all of your spirit and all of your intellect you need to write that down you need to write that down you shall love the lord your god with all of your passions desires appetites affections we could say emotions with all of your soul which is your spirit and all of thy mind that's your intellect those are your thoughts your imaginations how much you know that completely changes the way you love the lord your god completely changes the way you love the lord your god why because we tend to think that we can just when we come into church we can get a warm fuzzy through a song and in that moment we can be emotional about the love that we have for god but here it says love the lord thy god with all if we took this with all of everything that we passion that we're passionate about with everything that we desire with every emotion how much you know that's going to help you get your emotions in check because when an emotion comes that disagrees with god you can say mm mm that emotion is not that's not an emotion that loves god therefore i don't have to deal with that emotion therefore that emotion has to go that emotion has to go when a desire comes that that disagrees with what God says, you can look at that desire and say, "Mm-mm. Nope, I'm going to love God and that desire doesn't agree with God, so that desire's got to go." That desire's got to go. When um when 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 an affection comes, listen, this will keep you out of wrong relationships. When you start to have uh feelings for somebody based off of their attraction, you can say, "Mm-mm." that's not my spouse that doesn't agree with god those feelings have got to go those feelings have got to go when feelings of stress worry and anxiety come up you go uh uh my god said i'm not to fear that doesn't agree you got to go you got to go feeling what are you doing you're love you're purposely loving god with your emotions now that's a brand new concept for a lot of people loving god from your emotional seat loving god from your spirit listen it's easy to love god from your spirit your spirit is love because your spirit is of god if you are born again you're you're going to love god from your spirit that one's easy it's an automatic getting your feelings in control mm getting now getting your mind getting your intellect some people have been raised to be world champion warriors If I'm not worrying, then I'm not doing my job. 
But the Bible says that if you worry, you're in sin. So what do you have to do? Well, I'm, I'm, I, I want to show God that I love him, so I'm going to cast my worry. The Bible says without faith that it's impossible to please him. Let me help and, you with and this. And the opposite of faith is worry. Let me help you with this. God is love. Satan is fear. If you are wrapped up in fear, you are loving Satan. God is love. It got real quiet in this house. Woo, it got quiet in this house. If you are, God is love, Satan is fear. If you are giving fear all of your attention, all of your emotions, all of your mind, all of your flesh, you're wringing your hands. Everything you're doing is based out of fear. You are loving Satan and rejecting God. Now, none of us want to do that. So how do we, so how do we change? We reject fear and we purposely love God. We purposely love God. This is why it tells us um, in, well, I'll go there in a minute. Uh, let's look at the second part of this. And the second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Many, 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 most Christians are trying to love themselves or, or love others the way they love themselves. But here's the problem. If you hate yourself, then how, what is your love going to look like? Right. Your love is going to look to your neighbor the way you love yourself. Hard, harsh, cold. It's actually going to be a, it's not going to be love at all. It's actually going to be hurt and pain and injury. Now, if you will love God with every part of you, then what will happen is when you begin to understand who God is, when you begin to understand that God created you with the workmanship of his hands, and you understand who he is, then you, autom- then you will start to see yourself as valuable. You know, it's one thing to go. You can go down here to Walmart and you can buy uh, plates or ceramic or something, and it's stamped out through a machine. It's all automated. It's stamped out through a machine. Every single plate is exactly the same unless they had a malfunction in the machinery. Every plate is exactly the same. But, and we pay, and we pay, you know, and I, and I used to think this way. Well, I can go to Walmart and I can buy me a $2 plate and it'll last for years and it's the same. Therefore, I don't need no expensive plate. Because a plate's a plate, right? And that's true, a plate's a plate. But man, oh man, for my 10th anniversary, my husband had my mom, who was a potter, potter uh make us a a dinnerware set out of her pottery and i'm telling you what those plates are not the same as the walmart plates nope every single one of those plates is unique every single one of those plates has its own personality every single one of those plates has the love of the creator in it every single one of those plates has a much higher value guess what we're the same way So when you begin to understand that God is the creator and you are the creation, it begins to change how you view yourself. When you begin to understand that God, Jesus, and you sit on the throne of God together, that begins to change how you view yourself. When you begin to understand that that, that Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father that means that that, that Jesus has all the authority, power of the Father, 
because he's his right-hand man, when you understand what that position of being at the right hand of God is, and then you find out that you are seated in Jesus' lap at the right hand of God, we have this idea that, that when, we, when we're seated with Christ, that there's, a, there's several billion people in front of us, and then somewhere down the line we're seated with Christ, and Christ doesn't even know we exist. No, he says that you are seated with me in my throne. I can't get any closer to Jesus than, than I already am. And, and guess what? Derek's right there with me. Jackie's right there with me. Y'all are all right there. We're all sitting on each other's lap. Well, Pastor, that sounds uncomfortable. Not in heaven. It's glorious. It's glorious. When you begin to understand that God adopted you through his son, Jesus, You've not been thrown away. You have a bad parent. You have a bad mom in the natural. Okay, move past it because you've got a perfect father in heaven. You've got a heavenly father. In fact, there's, a, there's over in Psalms, I think it's Psalm 68, 69, somewhere right in there. It says that, that God gives, for those that have no one, God gives them a family. You're created into the family of God. See, when you begin to see who God is, and you begin to love God for who he is, and you begin to love God with all your thinking, when you begin to love God with all your emotions, when you begin to love God from your spirit, it will completely change the way you see yourself. Ask me how I know. And when you realize that God is love, and he created you with and through his love. Yes then you'll start to love yourself. When you realize that God is love and God lives inside of you, then you realize that you are love. Think about that. When you realize that you're one with God and that God is love, then that means you are one with love. When you get to the place where you realize, I'm one with love, then you can love thy neighbor as thyself. Because you will understand that you are love. That you are compassionate. I'm not building myself up. I'm talking about from a spiritual standpoint, from a heavenly standpoint, from an eternal standpoint, we are love. We are love. We've only got a few minutes left, but I want to get a couple of scriptures in. Uh, look at this scripture. Look at this same scripture uh, from Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Because Mark adds an extra element here. And I love how Mark adds an extra element here. Because we've dealt, so we've dealt with the spirit. We've dealt with both sides of the soul, right? Because your soul is your thoughts, your thoughts and feelings, right? So we've said, love God with your thoughts, love God with your feelings. That was the words of Jesus. Jesus said it in Matthew, and he says it in Mark. Mark um, chapter 12, verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Those are the same exact words we've already looked at. And with all thy strength. When you look at this word strength, this word strength means your ability or your power. Your ability or your power. Now, I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 1, and we're going to read to verse uh, 5. All right. Deuteronomy 6, 
God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God did not change the assignment or the commandment when Jesus came along. Jesus did not come along to do away with the law. He came along to fulfill the law. And he said in Matthew, we didn't read that next verse, but he said, um, the greatest commandment is this, that you love thy Lord, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second is like unto it, that you love your neighbor as thyself, for all of the prophets and the law hang on these two commandments. In other words, if you will fulfill these two laws, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and, and mind, and then, then once you learn how to do that, then you will begin, and then you begin to love your neighbors yourself. He said, if you'll do those things right there, you don't ever have to worry about breaking the law. You'll never do it. <clears throat> because here's the deal. If you love God, you will not sin. If you love God from every part in you, you will not sin. Yeah, there's no desire to sin. But, well, okay, Pastor, but we dealt with the spirit, we dealt with the soul, but what about the body? I'm working on it. Just work with me. All right. Verse 1? Verse 1. All right. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord, your and statutes are basically the laws. The laws. And the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. Right. Whither kind of means wherever you, you go, go or whenever you go. Wherever God it. sends you, you get to possess the land. Notice there's a colon there. So we don't live line by line in the Old Testament, but the, principle of the old, but the principles of the Old Testament still applies. If you don't know this, the promised land that they were trying to obtain in the Old Testament is, is we live in the dispensation of the promised land. What is the promised land? We live in one accord with God, with the Holy Spirit, in our original power, authority, might, and dominion that was granted to Adam and Eve in the garden in this world. As you learn to love the Lord your God, as the gifts of the Holy Ghost begin to flow, as you love your neighbor as yourself, as you, as you begin to not sin, as you begin to walk and live clean, then God, that is you, uh, that is not only you obtaining, but that is you maintaining a life in the promised land of God. That is the promised land. Heaven is not the promised land. The promised land is living on the earth that God created for us in his power, might, ability, and dominion. That is the promised land of the Old Testament. So how are we going to possess it? We're going to do what he, just tell, what he tells us to do right here. Yeah. So the commandments, statutes, or laws, and judgments which the Lord God commanded to teach you and that we're supposed to learn, that, that we might... Do them in the land where, wherever we go to possess it, or whenever we go to possess it. That, that, that we mightest fear the Lord our God. Listen, there is a lack of reverence. There's a lack of fear. Listen, we're not to be lack like... Lack of respect. We're not to be afraid of the Father God. Mm -mm. But we should have reverent respect. We should have reverent respect. How much do you know... 
My husband is excluded from this question. <laughs> How many of you are going to willingly play with a poisonous snake? Like pick one up. I got to watch that. No, we do not handle snakes in this church. However, if a copperhead does show up, my husband will do his best to get it in a bucket and relocate it to another land. Without killing it. Without killing it. I, on the other hand, I'm getting the gun. But it is getting relocated. I'm getting the gun. Okay? I'm not getting near it. I got to watch how I talk about that. Right. But my point is, why are we not getting near the snake? Why is he being very careful to get it in a bucket? Why? Because you fear its power. You fear its power. You fear its power to inject you with poison. Now, we don't fear God because of him injecting us with poison. No. But we should, we, should, we should honestly fear opening the door to a devil because we don't want him to come steal, kill, and destroy our life. But we should also fear the fact that God holds our eternity in the palm of his hand. How much you know? He's the righteous judge. We're too busy judging, oh, I qualify for heaven. Listen, uh, if you take yourself off the judge's throne and you look at your life according to the rule, according to the book of God, uh, you might begin to question if you're making it or not. And, and, and kind of what we're fearing is removing ourselves from God's blessings, blessings and, re, and removing ourselves from God's love. Yes. You know, it, as long as we have his blessings, we don't have to worry about Satan moving in and destroying everything. I mean, he's going to come against us and try, but in the end we get the victories when we work the word. Exactly. But, but see, there's no... Listen. Kids today don't even fear their parents. Not at all. They don't or even the fear their parents. Listen. Growing up, there were things that I would not do because I was convinced Mama and Daddy were going to kill me dead. I was convinced. I was convinced. I was like, and that was the talk in the school and the bus. People start to talk about doing something, and they're like, you want to go do this? And everybody's like, ain't no way I'm doing that. My mama will kill me. My daddy will kill me dead, raise me up, and kill me dead again dead. Now, now, I'm not doing that. Now, now, she's not saying that all kids don't have respect for their parents these I'm days. Saying I know general. that some of them do. I'm saying, listen, But there's we a lot feared, of them that do not. Listen. When we were kids, we feared the flip-flop, the hairbrush, the belt, and the pancake flipper. Or the bar of soap or... The spatula. The back of the hand. Yeah. Some of y'all feared the bar of soap. <laughs> Derek said, my mom's in heaven. I'm still afraid of the bar of soap. Come on. She struck the fear of God in that boy when it came to soap. Come on. We don't play with that. Come on. But how much you know, we don't have that fear for God. And God said, fear him, reverence him, revere him. Listen, I love my God so much. I don't, I, it's not that I'm afraid to sin because I know my God's a, living, a loving God who will forgive me if I repent. I understand that. But I don't even want to sin because I don't even want to disappoint him. Right. Exactly. I don't even want to hurt his feelings. I don't even want to grieve his heart. Yes, he's a loving God. Yes, he's a forgiving God. But I don't even want to displease him. In Romans chapter 8, it says that you cannot please God if you do not walk in the Spirit. Well, if, I, if, I'm, dis, if, I'm, if I'm not walking in the Spirit, that means I'm walking in the flesh. And if I'm walking in the flesh, I'm displeasing to my God? 
then, buddy, I'm going to get over here and walk in the spirit every minute of every moment of every day. How am I going to do that? I'm going to put my spirit in charge, not my flesh in charge. I'm going to get my thoughts in agreement with my spirit. I'm going to get my feelings in agreement with my spirit. I'm going to get my flesh in agreement with my spirit. Well, or I'm going to crucify it one or the other. Well, that's one way to do it. It's through the crucifixion of the flesh. And crucifying simply means discipline. Yeah. It doesn't mean sticking a nail through your hand. It means no. It means not letting your flesh do get whatever away it, wants, what to it do. wants to do. That's right. All right. So I just had to say it because we don't fear God like we used to. Come on. That thou might fear the Lord thy God. To keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Glory to God. You want to have long days? You want to live a long life? Fulfill the commandments. How do you, fulfill, how do you start in fulfilling the commandments? Learn to love God from every part of you. Keep going. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that, they, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Let me tell you what. Most people, here's what most people do. Most people clean the major sin out of their life. God blesses them with increase. They get to a certain level of increase that they get comfortable, and they say, okay, God, I'm good right here. I want this level of blessing, and I want this level of sin, and I'm good. And they stop. That's true. And they stop. But here's the problem. Sin separates you from God. That's not a good place to stop. I'm telling you, the more I read the scriptures, the more I'm concerned that there's not as many people going out of here in the rapture as we think there are. I'm telling you. It's a scary, scary thing. Uh, real short sideline, and I know we're out of time, but real short sideline, there were millions of Israelites at the time of um, Elijah. Okay, At the right. time of Elijah, there were millions of Israelites. And, 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 and Elijah cried out to God and said, God, I'm the only one still staying with you. And God said this. God said, Elijah, there's 7,000 that has still not bent their knee. And I mean, that was a victory. Woo! There's, there's 7,000 other people that haven't bent their knee. But when you take that 7,000 and you realize that there were millions of Israelites, millions. that's less than 1%. If that's the percentage of the rapture, I'm not sure that the world would even notice that the church got raptured. Come on, if that's the percentage. No, no, no. Don't get to a place where you're comfortable. Don't get to a place where you're comfortable. God said, he said, Israel, and today we've, we've been grafted into the king. We've been grafted in to the nation of Israel through Jesus Christ. He said, observe to do it. Israel, do my word that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase a little? Mightily. Mightily. God wants you prosperous in every area of your life. He wants you financially prosperous. He wants you physically prosperous. He wants you emotionally prosperous. He wants you socially prosperous. He wants you intellectually prosperous prospering. He wants you to prosper in goods. He wants you to prosper in every area of your life. And here's the deal. You don't have to pull levers and push buttons. All you have to do is begin to love God with every part of you.
so that you begin to follow the law, so that you be a doer of the law. And if you'll do that, then the increase will automatically come. God said, if you'll be a doer of my word, I will command the blessing to you. He said, I'll bring over all these over. things unto you. All right, let's keep going. I'm trying to get us to five, y'all. I'm trying. Right. Here, uh, Verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Well, we didn't finish. I cut you off in three. I'm sorry. No, we finished it. Oh, we did? Yeah. Okay, well, we talked, about the, we talked about the promised land earlier, so you got that. Yep. Okay, so verse 5. Okay. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. This word might means to vehemently, vehemently love. Vehemently, Michael looked that word up. Fervently. It means, basically what it means is to have a fervent there was another word we used. A fervent or a hot or an unwavering uh, dedication. An unwavering dedication. An unwavering dedication. What is it going to take? The Bible tells us over in the book of Corinthians that our body is no longer ours but Christ. That we are to present, it says over in the book of Romans, that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto God. We read in 1 Thessalonians where it said, don't even give the appearance of evil. How are you going to get your body to do those things? Through an unwavering commitment, an unwavering dedication of the heart, an unwavering dedication of the heart. So between love the Lord your God with all your strength, love the Lord your God with all your might, really what he's saying is fervently with an unwavering uh, dedication and commitment of the heart, get your body under control. Present your body a living sacrifice. Present your body as, uh, with no appearance of evil. Get your body in line with God. You know what? It's easy to slap on, especially for us ladies. 90% of the shirts they create for us today are see-through. I'm not being gross or vulgar, but 90% of the shirts that they produce for women today are see-through. You know what? It's a whole lot easier to throw on a shirt and go out the door. But because we love the Lord our God, we dress modestly. We cover our bodies because our bodies belong to him. I, listen, I get hot easily, but guess what? I put on three layers every time I walk out of my house. I put on my undergarment, I put on my over-undergarment, and I put on the shirt. Three layers. I'm hot-natured. These synthetic materials are not cool and breezy. Three layers. I make sure that when I wear my shorts that my fanny's not hanging out. I make sure that my legs are not only am I and not only do I make sure that my fanny's not hanging out when I'm walking, I make sure that my, you know, lady area ain't hanging out when I'm sitting. That's important. I'm not trying to be rude, but that's important. Men, when you sit down, make sure that your family parts aren't hanging out the bottom of your shorts. You know, I hate to say it, I'm sorry to say this, but the short shorts for men are coming back. Lord Jesus, I, I had prayed those days were gone forever, but no, they're coming back. Listen, if you love Jesus, cover him up. Cover him up. Y'all know I like to wear my leggings. They're very comfortable, but I make sure that my shirts cover my butt. 
Y'all don't need to know if I got underwear on or not, and you don't need to see every crevice and creeple and, and crinkle and div, dimple. You don't need to see that. That's between me and my God and my spouse. Why? Because my body belongs to him. I don't put poison in. I do my very best not to put poison in my body. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't eat shrimp because my body rejects it. That's a bad decision. I try to get my I try to keep my sugars low. I try to be mindful about what I eat. I'm working on getting the weight off. It's a slow process, but a slow process is a permanent process, and that's okay. But I'm working on it. Why? Because I want to rep. I want when people see me. I, when people see me, I want them to see God. When people hear me, I want them to hear God. When people watch me, I want them to see God. That's me loving my God with every part of me. Now, I'm not going to lie. Am I perfect at it? No, because there are days, and these words have come out of my mouth more than I'd like to admit to, but there's days that I go, you know what, Lord, I don't care. I just want, and I'm talking about, a fl- I just want a Coke. I just want to go watch something that I don't need to watch. When I say I want to go watch something I don't need to watch, I'm talking like I want to go watch uh, an old Law and Order show because it's, and God's dealt with me about watching shows about murder because it deals with death, and I'm not a child of death. I'm a child of life. That's a me thing. That's me. I'm not putting that off on you. That's a me thing because God's dealt with me on that. And there's some days that I'm like, you know what, Lord? I don't care. I like it. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm failing to crucify my flesh. But honestly, I can't remember the last time I watched the Law and Order. So then my compromise was I won't watch Law and Order. I'll watch Matlock. Guess what? God got on me for that one. I ain't even watched one of those in a long time either. What are we doing? The more we show God we love him, the more God will show us that he loves us. So that's the first step in loving God is begin to love God from every part of yourself. Begin to learn love God from every part of yourself. Uh, the other scriptures that I did not give you um, is, the only, uh, the only one I did not give you was Luke uh, 10:27, Luke 10:27, which is just another one. A like heart, soul, Mark and mind. Matthew, and then it goes right on to, to neighbor from there. So, um, you know, yes, I want you to work on learning to love yourself and love neighbors, but really, uh, you're not going to be able to be successful at that until you learn to love God. And how you're going to learn to love God is just begin to build a relationship with Him, begin to talk to Him, begin to share your life with Him. Begin to learn who he is. Begin to learn uh, about him. How much do you know? I think, I think most people in here can equate to this to some degree. If, if, uh, if you can't just yet, it's okay. You will at some point. When you find somebody that you think you might want to spend the rest of your life with, what do you do? You, you talk to them a lot, right? You talk to somebody? You know, I know when Michael and I, when Michael and I, honestly, I didn't even like him. Honestly, I was just trying to find out about him to see if he was interested in my friend and to find out if my friend, like, kind of measured up to his things and what have you. Um, but, but then we kind of started just talking. When, when, when we started to find out that we liked each other, we, really what we started was a building a friendship. What did we do? We talked all the time. We talked all the time. We talked about the things he liked, the things I liked, the things he hated, the things I hated, the things that we found interesting, the things that he, you know, 
what you know, I guarantee you, Mari and Bridget, when they got together, they spent a bunch of time talking, learning about each other, learning about each other. You know, that's that's when you when when people get together, they they still say things like, "Well, he just makes me laugh," or "She just makes me smile." If you'll spend time talking to God, God will tell you'll find out God is very funny. You'll find out God is very very entertaining. He's very funny. Build that relationship. Find out who he is and then love him. I'll say this one last thing to close. When Michael and I were dating, he started this practice when he would send me cards or notes. He would sign it and he would sign it H-M-B-S, meaning I love you, heart, mind, body, soul. I think I got them in order wrong. But he gave the first initial of each word. How in the world, we had no idea that he was being scriptural and how he loved me. He loved me with everything in him. With everything in him. He loved me with his heart, with his mind, with his spirit, and with his body. Uh, when we were dating, he was just basically saying, I'm preserving my body for you. We preserve our body for each other, and we preserve our body for God. We had no idea. You write God a letter and say, Heart, mind, body, soul, Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. All yours. He's, we still do that with each other to this day. Glory, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, tithes and offerings. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you want to bless? Sure. Derek, if you'll come to serve the people. Oh, Lord, we thank you for being here with us, and we thank you for giving your word that we can follow it and that, that, uh, that it will grow in our lives and the, and the lives of those that we come in contact with. Lord, because we share your word. We don't keep it to ourselves. We don't hide it under a bushel. We share your word because that is what you told us to do. We, we, we are all called to share your word and share the good news of your, of your, of your gospel. And we, and we do it through our testimony. We do it through our lives. We do it through our, our example. Lord, we just share you everywhere we go, Lord. And, and given the opportunity, we will speak of you and we will share our love of you. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. And, Father, one way that we can show that we love you is to sow into your kingdom. So, Father, we sow this seed. We command Satan to take his hands off the increase, to release it and let it go. We command the angels to go out, to cause favor for us everywhere we go, to cause increase to come. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is working. Father, we thank you for the personal increase that we're believing you for. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen. Thank you, Father. Derek, you can serve the people.